0: Hello and welcome to College Admissions with Mark and Anna. Each week we talk about different college admissions topics and answer those tough questions you may be dealing with concerning getting into the college of your choice. We know how stressful this process can be, so each episode we try to make it easier to navigate. Now, here are your hosts, Anna Wren and Mark Hofer.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to Mark and Anna's College Admissions podcast. I'm your co-host, Anna Rand, and here is
0: Mark Hofer. Hi, Anna.
1: Hi, Mark. How's it going?
0: Very good.
1: Good. And we're really, really uh, excited today because we have a guest. So we'd like to invite Danit Ehrlich uh, to our show. And Danit is a community educator and consultant on topics related to communication, Wellness, youth, and adult mental health and suicide prevention. Danit taught mental health first aid classes to hundreds of people, including school staff from different districts, faith communities, and the general public, and employees in various companies as well as nonprofit organizations. As a coach, Danit is working with families of teens on improving communication and reducing confrontation using a unique model she created, which we hope to hear more about today. Uh, and she is also doing a self care workshops for teens to allow them to share about their challenges to learn important principles of self-care and to create their own self-care plan welcome thank you very much Anna and Mark for having me here it's a pleasure so I know Mark and I are first eager to find out how did you get into this profession what's motivated you
2: so um I got permission from my daughter to share that I actually asked her uh, because I think uh, we have a tendency to sometimes to share things about our kids without asking permission. Um, And especially during uh, teenage years, it's really a sensitive topic to to share about them, about the kids, their challenges and even sometimes successes. So we need to be mindful to ask for permission. So I can start by sharing that um, I moved here 11 years ago from Israel. And um, when I moved here, I started coaching parents um, and international families and helping them acclimated to uh, the area, getting more acclimated, more comfortable, understanding more of the American um, norms, traditions, schools, everything. And then when my older one was in middle school, she experienced um, mental health challenges and it was a challenging time. It was about six months of really challenging time that both my husband and myself worked really hard uh, with professional to help her get through these challenges. And what I learned and discovered and actually asked myself is like, if I'm with my experience with the things that I learned, experience a lot of challenges and fears and, and really it's hard. It's hard to, when it's close home. So if I experience all these challenges, what about parents and caregivers who don't have it or don't have these skills and knowledge? How can they help their kids? How can educators, many educators are young, many educators maybe did not experience challenges with their kids. How can they help other kids that they are working with or other professionals so from there, I started um, more understanding about it and learning, and um, I'm teaching mental health first aid to a lot of educators and also to help kids and parents. I think that many of the challenges, the roots of it is also um, in communication gap that parents and have with their kids. So that's me, and that's how I got to this uh, profession.
0: Very good, done it. Um, it's interesting because I think a lot of people find their their occupation or their passion um, when it hits close to home, much like you have. And I think a lot of uh, a lot of consultants who work with students as they go through high school and into college. These these last two and now into our third year, we're experiencing a a time that um, a lot of parents are having uh, situations happen. Uh, that are mental health related, that probably wouldn't have come to the surface had we not had to deal with COVID. So I think your work with families and with students and with communities and educators, all of those is such a a wonderful thing to have uh, as a resource especially now, and um, I'm so glad that we have a chance to talk with you and, and hear hopefully some of the things that you've experienced and that you've heard out in the community and hopefully will help a lot of our listeners as well.
2: Definitely, yes, I I can share some of the statistics related to uh, the mental health that teens are experiencing because you, you mentioned that, Mark. Uh, so during uh, COVID pandemic that we are still experiencing, uh, depression and anxiety, doubled compared to the pre-pandemic levels. So if we're looking at that globally, we can see that one in four adolescents experiencing clinically elevated depression symptoms, and one in five are experiencing anxiety symptoms because of COVID. In the United States, the CDC shared that one in three high school students reported having persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness in 2019. And that's actually 40% increase since 2009. So definitely mental health pre COVID was a huge issue with teens. And now it's becoming a crisis. So we need to talk about it. We need to open up to our kids. We need to look for signs and symptoms. And, and I'm happy Um, to share about them, of what to do, how to recognize signs and symptoms, and how to approach in a
1: helpful way. That would be so helpful because I feel, and I'm sure Mark feels this way too, that with the pandemic, I think a lot of parents don't know what they're looking for. They don't know the difference between their teenager being a teenager, no offense, um, and just going through, you know, really mood, moody times, um, and when to take it you know, more seriously. So could you help, I guess, um, provide some clarification or insights into what signs parents should be looking for um, in terms of, hey, let's ring the bell on this or something.
2: (laughs) Definitely. So one of the things that we need to, uh, one of the things that I love to do is to divide it to different categories because sometimes it's help us when we put things in categories, to recognize and and to notice some changes. So I will start with the word change. We are looking for changes in our kids' behaviors, in their thoughts, their feelings, sometimes even appearances. So change is the key point because if for you going to sleep, uh, for your kids going to sleep late at night, this is something that they're, usually doing and waking up early and they can manage everything that's great if they're continue doing that this is not a warning sign for you right but if suddenly they're changing their sleeping habits and now they're going to sleep early at night and it's hard for them to get out of bed in the morning this is a change that we want to notice and to recognize and i'll say when we see changes what we want to do the next step is to talk to our kids that's the it's to look for the change and then to approach them so let's go over some of the example of changes so they can see uh, we can have changes related to sleeping as i said to eating they eat too much they don't eat at all some teenagers yes this is a period of time when they eat a lot so some of the things that we'll see maybe not related to uh, warning signs. So usually we will see some cluster of symptoms and not just one. Uh, another thing is to look for changes in their moods, in their feelings, what how they're uh, when they're expressing their feelings. When we hear them talking to their friends, for example. So to to really to recognize some of the warning signs that um, maybe they have um, feeling of hopelessness. Maybe they're really angry. Um, experiencing a lot of conflicts with their friends or with their families. So we're looking for the changes. Um, we also want to look uh, what about their activities that they're usually doing. Maybe they are losing interest in activities that they previously enjoyed, but they're not replacing them with new ones. So teenagers, yes, they loved playing piano for 10 years or the parents loved sending the kids to play piano for 10 years and suddenly they don't want to do it anymore. This is a warning sign if they don't do other things and replacing the activity that they love doing. Because we also want to think about what makes you relax. So if they're not replacing it, it's a warning sign. If they are replacing it with a new hobby, that's great. If they have uh, losing, are not in touch with friends that they used to be, but they have new friends, that's fine. If they're not with their friends, but they're also um, withdrawing from others, this is a warning sign. So we'll look for all these warning signs. and as I said, if we notice them, we want to approach. We want to approach our kids. we want to talk to them and we want to talk to them in a helpful way. What does it mean? We want to choose a statement or a, an or a question and to start talking about it. Um, I love using the I statement, what I've noticed. you know I've noticed that so lately you're not hanging out with your friends. Are you okay? Just something like that. Uh, We can do that. But when we are approaching them, we want, first of all, to think about the setting. Where are we going to talk to them? Not just what to say, but where. We don't want to do it in the um, um, dinner time in front of their siblings. Sometimes, you know... During time, the dinner time is a great time to talk. How was your day? What did you like today? Uh, Other things to share about challenges that you experienced in your work, they experienced at school or with friends. But sensitive topic, we want to do it in a private area, okay? And I'll say also private area that they are comfortable talking. If you know that they're more comfortable talking in their room, go to their room. If you know that they are more comfortable talking while you're driving, so many teenagers will prefer that you'll talk to them when you're not looking at their eyes. So go to to drive. You know, do you want bubble tea or I really want to go to Starbucks? Do you want to join me? Just something like that, and then talk to them. If you uh, if the, if they like playing basketball, go outside, play with them, and talk to them. We need to find. Time that is that they'll feel comfortable to share and to open up. If you're worried about your kids and they're not opening up, they're not sharing with you. We cannot force them to share. I wish (laughs) we can, we cannot do that, right? Sometimes they need to process what they and, and to think about what happened. Sometimes they need to sit in their sadness. And sometimes this is not the right time for them to talk. So we need to be creative to ask again, to reach out in a different time, different setting, different question. And if they still don't open up to us, ask them, is there someone, an adult, that you're comfortable sharing with, talking to? You know, you'll be surprised, but not, not always turns are, are a good, a good um, resource,
1: right?
2: <laughs> so, I love
0: using that.
2: Yeah, I love use humor in my life when I talk to my kids, um, but not everyone are comfortable with it. And that's fine. If you're not comfortable with it, don't use humor. You know, you want to show your kids that you, it's, it's very um, from authenticity when you're really geniusly concerned, reaching out, talking to them, or even open about it and say, you know, I'm worried about you. How are you doing
0: Dennett, thank you for that, and and all—all of those are great suggestions. One of the things that uh, I'm—I hear a lot from parents. They're frustrated about how do you separate changes in behavior that are normal evolution for a teenager. So as we know, that 14 to 19 year old transition, there's ups downs, swings right left. It's difficult to see what is outside the norm for normal teenage evolution versus this is something we need to pay attention to and we need to talk to. Have there been a couple of things that you've noticed that here in the last two years that might actually be um, very much related to and very much an indicator of a heightened amount of anxiety or depression that parents should be looking for?
2: Yes. So that's a good question because we also, as, as adults, experience these fears because of covid we also experience challenges. Some of us may lost their job, uh, insecurity, lost loved ones. the The fear about the health is is a huge also um, things that cause us um, to be worried about it. So definitely. So I'll say we want to look for the duration. How long do they experience this? And how? And what is what the effect on their? Uh, we call it the the elves. They love, live, laugh, and learn, okay? Does it affect their performance at school? Or maybe they don't want to even go to school. Uh, Or um, does it affect their relationships with their friends, with family? Um, We want to look for these changes over time and the severity of it. So if they are saying anything that will all your alarm system will say to you, I think they're maybe thinking about suicide. We need to ask about it. And, you know, when I teach this um, to parents, to educators, um, to so many people, uh, even in the workplace, it's hard and it's scary to ask about suicide. Uh, one of the things that I say to parents that sometimes they are the only ones that are able to really uh, recognize changes in their kids because they're the people who are with the kids for the the longest time. So when you are worried about your kids, when you're all the red flags are telling you, I think they are more depressed, more anxious than they used to. I think they may think about suicide if they said something about you'll be better without me. Everything will be okay next week. Don't worry about it. Or all the warning signs that will indicate, other warning signs that will indicate that they may think about suicide. We want to talk about it openly. We really want to ask them, are you thinking about suicide? Are you thinking about ending your life? Are you thinking about going to sleep and never wake up? Not everyone are comfortable with the word suicide. There is also a lot of negative connotation related to that, right? And cultural. So ask about it. as, As much as it's hard and it's scary to ask about it, think about your teen. How scary it is for them to feel this way, to feel really bad without anyone asking about it. So we know that asking about suicide research shows us again and again will actually will lower their anxiety, their loneliness feelings, and will serve as deterrent. So yes, ask about it openly. Don't be afraid. Ask several times sometimes. Some kids need, to, need us to ask several times to share. I, and you know what? I call this question a win-win question. And it goes like that. If I ask about suicide and they did not, um, they they don't think about suicide. What will happen? They'll know that I care. Mm. They know that I can handle a situation like that. They know that even if they're not suicidal now, maybe their friends in the future mm. said something that it, that may cause them worried, and they know that they can reach out to you. In some situation, they are they don't think about suicide, but they have challenges that they are experiencing and asking about it will allow them to open up. No, I'm not thinking about suicide, but you know, lately I'm I'm really stressed and it's hard for me to concentrate at school. So it will allow them to open up. And it's a win-win because if they are thinking about suicide, you're allowing them to share, to really open up and to, and they are usually in a, when someone is thinking about suicide, they are like in a really dark tunnel. And narrow one and they don't see a way out, and they don't see the light at the end of it. So talking about suicide, letting them know that people think in, in people in, in middle school, high school, even adults, they may think about suicide. This is something that happens. You don't have to act based on your thoughts or to say to them that what you're experiencing is only temporary. There is, it seems like there is only one solution. But suicide is a temp- is a permanent solution to a temporary problem.
1: No, absolutely. And I also think like it's sometimes a good wake up call for them. It's like that U-turn that comes up, right? I know for some of my students that have found themselves in challenging situations and it's not always the parent that realizes that um, but you know when a counselor asks hey you know and goes a little deeper and they're persistent like you said it can be that u-turn for them and that wake-up call that pulls them out of the tunnel like wait a minute <laughs> what am i doing here um you know and so i think that's why it's 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 definitely hard conversations to have um so well, since we also have listeners that are students too, sometimes we have a really interesting group of listeners, it's parents, students, and educators, but what would you say for students, you know, who might not have maybe that type of relationship with their parent or the parent might take note? Um, what would you say they should be doing if they want the help, but nobody's asking them?
2: So uh, that's a good question. And I agree with you that um, sometimes it's not the parents who are seeing the warning signs or are seeing this, uh, I call it, it's a piece of puzzle that we're holding, um, a warning sign. And many people are, are holding different warning signs. Someone is writing in social media, they're reaching out to their counselor and they're saying something about it. They wrote something, an essay. I have educators said, you know, someone... Um, gave me an essay and on the corner of the essay, they doodled something that was really concerning about it for me. So I reached out to them. So definitely, what can we say to students? I'll say, sometimes you need to get the courage to reach out and to initiate a hard conversation to say, mom, I, I want to talk to you. I have a problem. Dad, can I share with you something that is hard for me to share? When you're reaching out with something like that, in most cases, it makes us the parents to really listen. And sometimes that's what we need. Sometimes we're not perfect. Not the students, not the parents, not you. No one is perfect. And it's okay if we reacted in a way that was not helpful. You really, students, you need to remember we're not perfect. So we may react to something that you say in a really... Not helpful way, we may cry, we may get worried, we may get angry at you. But when you're reaching out to us and say to us, I really want to share something that it's hard for me to share. Or when you're sending us a text, right? Sometimes for students, I I tell students, if it's hard for you to open up to your parents, write them a text. You'll see them coming to your room. You'll see them reaching out to you. And they'll shift the way they're approaching you because sometimes it's hard. For some students, because of culture, um, it's really hard to talk to parents or the parents to understand what they're going through, their students, their kids. There are a lot of resources. That's okay if your parents are not the resource. In some cases, we, uh, the parents, are actually the barrier for reaching out for help. So if we are the barrier, reach out to your counselor at school, reach out to a teacher that you... um, really love and and created the connection with. Reach out to the hotlines. There are so many great hotlines for you to reach out to. We have the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, that is uh, 1-800-273, okay, or 1-800-TALK. We have the texting crisis uh, line, you can text TALK, to 741-7441. And Trevor Project is for LGBTQ plus community, 866-488-7386. And I'm happy, Anna and Mark, to share it so you can um, also share that and write it down so people will be able to see these numbers. So what's interesting, and people don't understand about the hotlines, is that people think that they can Call them only when it's a crisis situation. But all the um, statistics that crisis hotlines are sharing with us are actually showing us that about 50% of the calls are crisis, emotional crisis or other crises. Other phone phone calls that people are doing, about 50% of them are not related to a crisis. So when you're experiencing challenges, when you want to talk to someone and you feel that you don't have anyone to talk to, reach out to the hotline, talk to them. And you parents as well, if you're worried about your kids, if you're not sure if what you see is a warning sign or not, if you try to to talk to your kids and they did not open up to you, reach out to the hotlines, share with professionals what you've noticed, the signs that you've noticed, what you're worried about, what you ask them, and ask for advice, ask for guidelines.
0: One of the things, and we're talking about support systems for, for teens and for parents, um, and I think that's actually one of the things that colleges are looking for. They, they realize that many students are coming to them broken, and that's the reason why the depression and anxiety is so high in college. And one of the things they are looking for is finding those students who naturally build support systems because they know they're going to be more healthy, happy, and successful in college. One of the things, though, that in the the last two years, during a period of time when teens are developing those skills to build those support systems, they haven't been out in the public. They haven't had the chance to communicate and and evolve those skill sets with not only their peers, but also with adults. So now they're back in the classroom and they haven't had two years of developing those skills. But I hear from students, especially, they say, I don't know how. Yes. So are there some suggestions you would have on how, if a student doesn't want to talk to a parent or they don't have that kind of relationship with their parent, but they want to reach out to an adult to learn some of these skills and build those support systems. What are some of the, like the tell the little pieces that you might encourage them to put into practice would help them do that
2: so first of all we need to remember that um social skills is a muscle that we need to again start working on it yes it's not something that comes naturally to all of us many of us feel awkward remember the first time that you after them um when you were able to go outside of the quarantine, they stayed at home um, um, t- period of time. I don't remember even how long it was. It feels so long. The first time that you met people in person, how awkward was it, right? When we met, when students went to school suddenly to sit for seven hours, it's like, it's so long because we used to do Zoom classes and it was short classes. That I, I have to say that The educators are also experiencing the same things, the same challenges. So it's not just for you, the students, it's also for us, the adults that we, everything is awkward and everything is weird. So um, there are a few things that we need to remember. We cannot avoid the conversation. It's not going to go away if we're not talking about it. So as much as it's awkward and it's hard, we want to talk. When we are talking about uh, challenges that we are experiencing, problems that we're having, we feel more comfortable, more at ease. I had a student who said, I shared with my parents and I couldn't stop crying. That was a huge relief. Now, we are creating like this imaginary story of what will happen if I will say this and they will say that and they will do this and I will do that. And we have we created the story in our mind. And some, sometimes this story prevents us from opening up. Some of them, Yes, some of the things that you think that will happen, maybe will happen, but some of the things that you think that will happen, maybe will not happen. So um, I taught my daughter um, one thing that I I always talk about because it was really, really hard for her. I always said, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. And it took her years to really initiate it and and reaching out to her um, teachers And ask for things for herself. Because she said that, you know, I asked and they said yes. Or I asked and they said no. So that was something that was really helpful. Uh, So be brave. Don't worry if they'll get upset, your parents, or they will react poorly. Yes, we may get upset. Yes, we may get angry. We may cry. We may get really um, frustrated. But know that we love you. And I I say to parents and I say to students, most parents love their kids no matter what and even if, even if you use drugs, even if you fail the test, even if you decide not to go to college, even if you're getting arrested, I love you. I don't like the behavior, but I love you. And we as parents need to say that to our kids in different ways over and over again, I say to my kids, you know, if you go to a sleepover and you call me in the middle of the night, I will come and pick you up if you want me. If you're in a party and you're calling me and you're saying, mom, I drank I, I alcohol, I cannot drive, I'll come and I'll pick you up. Yes, maybe there will be some consequences later on, depends on the situation,
0: <laughs>
2: but right now... I'll come and I'll do whatever I can to protect you and to save you and to save you, not just physically, but also emotionally. So students know that we love you no matter what and even if, even if we get angry, even if we get upset, we'll come later on, we will apologize and parents, please apologize. We will apologize. We will start and initiate the conversation. And if we're not able to do that, we will connect you with someone who can. And if your parents are not able to connect you with someone who can, or they don't know how to do it, or they're concerned and afraid about it, ask, reach out to the hotlines, reach out to the counselors, advocate for yourself as you advocate for your school, for things that you need in in sports, in other things in your life, advocate for your mental and emotional safety as well.
1: I love that you said that so much because I think it's so easy to ask, quote unquote, for a pencil, um, you know, for certain little things. And so I I often tell my students, like, just practice, like even practicing in front of a mirror, what you're going to say before you say it can help kind of reduce the anxiety a little bit uh, going in. and, and, And that can make such a world of difference. And I also loved how you said, um, How your parents love you, you know, and and to apologize, because I think this is a really helpful session for parents, too, Um, because I think parents are also there are certain things that I think they want to do right by their kids, uh, but sometimes they don't know how. So I think knowing that everybody, you know, with this pandemic, especially, is trying to do the best they can and to extend grace to yourself, to your parents, to your educators, because I also have students griping about how their teachers aren't really maybe living up to what they would hope they would have done in a class, extend grace, I think is very important to to remember as well for our students. Um, So, you know, in terms of obviously you had also mentioned earlier, uh, mental health first aid. And I never heard of that term before. And I was just curious, what? I know what physical first aid is, and no one should ever depend on me for that because I would be terrible at it. But what is mental health first aid? Is that is someone that, you know, a skill set that a lot of people can also be trained in and learn how to do?
2: That, that's a great one. And that's exactly why, why we call it mental health first aid, because similar as CPR that helps you uh, help someone in medical crisis, you want to have um, a CPR for emotional and mental crisis or challenges, and I, I say challenges because in many times when we are able to reach out to someone to recognize some signs that of that we are worried about um, the changes that I said in appearance, in thoughts, in behaviors that they uh, that we see or feelings that they're sharing with us. If we're noticing these changes, one of the things that we want to remember is that the sooner we can help the students, helps our kids to sometimes just to talk about it. Sometimes that's what they need. They need someone to notice and to talk about it. And they can work through their challenge while they're talking about it, not leaving it in a really dark place. So when we are able to reach out to them to allowing them to open up, to share, sometimes to connect them with professionals because some situation required help, professional help. When we're able to do that, we're allowing this challenge to stay as a challenge and not to increase to a crisis. So think about what happened to students. And one of the, the things that people need to understand that the average delay between the onset when someone is starting to, Um, experiencing signs and symptoms of mental illness, mental uh, challenge, until the time that they are receiving professional help, when it's required, the average delay time is about 10 years. Now, 50% of the mental health are starting in um, the age of 14. What happened during this time from middle school until, let's say, 10 years? It's college time and work and even sometimes a relationship. What happened during this time of these 10 years? How does it affect their uh, school performances? There may be sports or other activities that they're doing, relationship with friends, relationship with parents, um, chances to get to college, to good college, for example, to get accepted to something that you wanted to learn. You got accepted. To complete college, some students are dropping because of mental health. So that's also something. You finish college, what happened during this time of these 10 years to your um, chances to get work, good work, to perform well at work, relationships, to find someone, to hold these relationships. So there are a lot of things that happen during this time and that's why. It's important to shorten this time. The sooner we can recognize that our our kids are experiencing challenges, or you students, please, you're old enough to recognize that something is going on with you. The sooner you open up and ask for help and talk about it, whether it's the counselor at school, your parents, friends, okay, hotlines. The sooner you can ask for help and talk about your problems and whether you need professional help or not, depending on the situation, you get this, the better the outcomes will be. It will not affect your chances for for college, for work, for relationship. Many people, because of what they're experiencing, one of the worsening signs and symptoms over time is using alcohol and drugs as a way to cope with what they're experiencing. Definitely, talk about what you're experiencing. Get really the, be brave, because when you think about college and these high school years, you are so occupied with schools as grades, with performances at school, right? With performances at the, the sports that you're in. And you forget that it's not just that, but it's also your mental health your emotional health. So if you want to get to good college, if parents you want your kids to get to good college or not even to go to college to find work later on. And you need to also recognize this, not ignoring it, and to talk about it openly and to connect them with professionals.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting I want... we put a we, we we put a lot of uh of social credit on those who go out to get first aid and CPR cards mm-hmm. and I mean even teenagers and adults and it's sometimes even a, you need it to get a particular job but we don't have a space to get mental health CP, or mental health first aid. I, I wonder if if we put as much uh, as much worth on that as uh, we do CPR maybe maybe we'd uh, shorten that time period from 10 10 years to a much shorter uh, period of time.
2: Exactly. Is how wonderful it will be, right? How many teens will be able to just, you know, go on with the, their challenge. And, and it's like it's just a challenge for my daughter because we were able to help her. Um and and with her case, it's also professionals who were able to help. It's only a challenge. And she and, and what's amazing about professionals and people need to understand it, is that they are providing them the tools that they need to cope with what they're experiencing. And that's something that we need to build the resilience in life in general. We need to build skills. When we become parents, we didn't know how to change diaper. We didn't know how to take care of our kids. We need to learn that, right? Teachers, they wanted to become teachers. They needed to go to study to learn how to do it. And even when they graduated and they had their diploma, they needed how to really understand how to navigate the classroom, the kids, everything. This is uh, professional are the same. <laughs> professional providing you the tools that you need to overcome your challenge. So next time, you can use it yourself. Next time you'll know what to do.
0: Maybe if we could have them spend some of the outrageous amount of time they use studying for the s a t, building those skills so that they really will be helpful or really be successful in college. Um, maybe maybe that would help. <laughs>
2: yes, definitely. So I have to say that students and parents, if you think that when y- your kids will graduate and will go to college, things will go away, it's not going to happen. It's usually going to be even worse because they don't have the support system because college is much harder than high school, right? Because there are a lot of, th- a lot of things that, you know, can tempt you to do. Um, a lot of risks. So we need definitely to, the sooner we can connect them with help, the sooner we can talk about it and maybe be the person who can help them, the better the outcomes will be.
0: Absolutely. One of the things you mentioned, uh, filling the the void or the gap with uh, drugs and alcohol, which has been a traditional and historical way to deal with a, a lot of mental issues, Um I'm finding in the last two years, there is a different type of addiction that I haven't seen in teens. And of course, it's, uh, it's part of the times and technology, but between video game addiction and food addiction, and like you said, both addiction of eating more than they should or not eating enough. Um, but I'm having teens who are being faced with, over the last two years, I have created an addiction and I know it but I don't know what I'm going to do now. So I I think that's one of those things where, like you say, is this the road for 10 years that they're not going to be able to address some of those issues? They're going to be in college and they're going to be adults and they're going to be getting a job. And these are still going to be addictions that they have. So is it normal for teenagers to uh, actually reach out and acknowledge, I have an issue here. And what kind of resources would you suggest that they seek out for those particular items?
2: So, no, m- not all the students are comfortable reaching out to, especially if we are adding the culture component. Uh, not all, everyone in, in all cultures are comfortable talking about mental health. Yes, there is more openness of talking about um, depression and anxiety a bit more in the last years than it used to be in the past. And also because schools openly talk about it, social, emotional, um, or bringing talks related to uh, mental health challenges. Um, We, the the students still, many students are still afraid, still ashamed, there's still stigma um, related to mental health that they're, um, it's their fault, that it's uh, something that it's, um, I'm weak, because that, so one of the things that I like um, to explain to, to, especially for kids, is like, can you heal a broken arm by the power of your mind? No, right? And mental health and physical health are the same, they're both connected to our body. So, how can you? Heal yourself, heal this, you know, it's hard for you to get out of bed, to go to school. It's hard for you, you're sitting and it's hard for you to complete all the assignments that you have and to really go outside and be with your friends. Talking about it can help sometimes, but sometimes you need professional. You need to get the tools to overcome this. So uh, same as broken arm, you need professionals for that. So don't be ashamed to ask for help, reach out to your counselor at school. Um, if, if you're not comfortable reaching out to your counselor, reach out to other uh, resources. In In our area, I know in, um, in Washington uh, State, we have the Teen Link and probably in other places we can find other resources. And Teen Link is led by teenagers who got trained to help other teenagers um, by, they can call them, or they can text them. We know teenagers prefer to text than to talk over the phone. So this is a way for them to reach out to. And as I said, the crisis text line, that is a national um, number, you can reach out and you can just talk about what you're feeling, what you're experiencing and ask for advice. Uh, What can we do about social media? Social media is a complex topic, yes. It can be a health hazard and it can be healthy inspiration, right? Mm-hmm. Depends on the individual. And as you said, Mark, in situation when students are feeling that they're um, addicted to um, video games, it's a problem. When students are using social media all the time, this is a way for me to, to understand you know who i am what do i like to do what i don't like to do and because of that many times we can see poor self esteem uh, we have the compare and despair right the overstimulating or constant constant overstimulating because of social media because of the videos um or people who are connected with unhealthy forums so definitely there is negative impact to social media to video, to video games, uh, and it can, we can see higher uh, depression and anxiety related to that. But there is also positive, positive aspect to social media. It's opportunity for people to reach out for help to someone, um, to indicate when they are in distress. We know that a lot of uh, students are writing something about it, about themselves and about how they feel so we want to um, encourage students, when you see your friends saying something that it's make you feel worried, reach out to them. Talk about it. I had someone uh, who shared that she was in college and she ser- shared that her, friends, her friend wrote to um, many friends, I love you, in text. I love you, I love you, I love you. And one person, only one person reached out. M- most of them replied, I love you too, you're so kind, I love our friendships together, you know, I love you. One person reached out to that person and said, what's going on? What is happening? What do you write it down? And um, this person was able to reach out to her roommate and uh, she went to her room and, and uh, that person took um, uh, a lot of pills. And sometimes we don't know what's going on. So sometimes, yes, yeah, social media, is a great place for us to recognize that something is going on. Uh, it's, it helps create connections, especially during COVID. It's amazing how many of us used, how many of us are feeling comfortable talking in Zoom, uh, listen to podcasts. Right. Uh, so definitely there is a lot of positive um to social media uh, and we can develop healthy habits and friendships. Uh, my daughter did um, in Zoom exercise with her friend and they are continuing doing that because they live in different cities. This is a great way for them to to do exercise together and to connect. Uh, there are a lot of meditation apps, mental health posts. So definitely. People feel less lonely when they are connected to social media. So I'll say, how do we know if it's a health hazard or a healthy inspiration is to think about how do we use it? Why and when do we use it? So if it's becoming an addiction, if it's hard for us to let go of this, if every time that we wake up, we are using the phone, every time that we are, every time, every every 30 minutes we need to see, to check what someone is writing and all of that, maybe it's time for us to get a time off of social media a bit. Um, so I will say to parents um, to, and to students, if we want to practice healthy use um, on the phone, so the, my suggestion to parents is that uh, if they think that the social media or the um, gaming is becoming problematic for the young uh, uh, person, to suggest reducing it, reduce this use, the use of it, uh, is better than eliminate it or forbidding the social media. Social media in teenager, this is the way they are connected. You know, when we were young, we connected by going outside, playing outside. Later on, um, others were connected by talking over the phone. This is the way that the youth generation is creating these connections by social media. So we cannot avoid it. Uh, So let's reduce their usage. Uh, Put time limits in social media apps. Um, Different time limits for weekend and for weekdays, for um, it's also important. Um, ask them to put their phone out of sight in a different room when they are working, when they're doing study for a test. It's very helpful. Or ask them to study when they're downstairs so you can see and monitor the um, how much they use the social media and how much they're focusing on their work. Sometimes we need breaks, right? So definitely um, having a break seeing what's going on in social media, is, it's a great. But um, if it's becoming something that we're focusing instead of starting for a test, then it's a problematic. Um, we want also in, um, intentionally to put away our phones, for example, during dinner, when we are going to a restaurant, when we are sitting with friends. So intentionally put down your, the phone, not just the students, also the parents. Because we've also been addicted to to it as well, right?
0: No, no, not true, not
1: true. (laughs) We model behavior, (laughs) right? We model behavior.
2: Yes, definitely. We want to do that. And I have one last thing um, to suggest related to phone. And it's for parents and for teens, uh, the same. Put the phone down at least 30 minutes before you go to bed. Mm -hmm. Don't go to bed with your phone. It's amazing how it makes us stimulate our brain, right? Not just the blue screen, but also what we're seeing, what we're reading, what's we're, you know, it makes us think about, ask questions to ourselves, to ask, and at bedtime is time to relax. So put your phone down at least 30 minutes before you go to sleep, parents and students.
1: That's so helpful, Danit. Uh, I need to practice some of that myself, I think. Uh, I don't know about you, Mark, but I found that so helpful. Um, do you have another question, Mark?
0: No, I, I actually, I'm, I'm trying to process all the things that I'm, so much there. I, I'm going to be able to uh, suggest to some of my students and parents. That's that's the main thing, I think. And Danit, you have touched on this. It is it's it is a teamwork between parents and their students um, and and knowing that uh, open that conversation is it, it's invaluable and it's healthy and uh, it's the only way I think that really that communication can happen is if if they're a little bit brave and a little bit courage or a little bit courageous.
1: <laughs> and then, Danit, I also wanted to, uh, just in case people want to get in touch with you or learn more about you for our listeners, how can they, I guess, learn more about you or find you? Oh,
2: thank you for asking. So my website is www.alwaysforward.coach. My uh, business name is uh, Always Forward Coaching and Consulting, LLC. And my phone number is 425-985-2724. So you're welcome to reach out to me, um, to even to to share with, uh, I don't know, Anna and Mark, if you have uh, an option for comments, but um, definitely if people have questions they're welcome to write it down and Anna and Mark can reach out to me and I'm happy to answer the questions.
1: Oh, thank you so much to need for your time and for your expertise. Um, I, I have like just like Mark, my brain is overloaded. I'm sure our parents are also overloaded, but in a in an awesome way. So thank you so much.
2: My pleasure. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening to us.
0: Thanks for listening to College Admissions with Mark and Anna, where we make getting into college easy and fun. Don't forget to go over to iTunes and subscribe to get updated each time we release a new episode. Also, for more helpful college admissions information, visit our website at www.collegeadmissionspodcast.com.